Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Well, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Everybody doing good? Yeah? You having a good week? Good weekend? Right on. All right. Cool. Good deal. Uh, well, my name is uh, Josh. I am the lead teaching pastor uh, here at Vertical Church. If we haven't had a chance to meet, uh, I hope you'll stick around after our experience is over. Uh, right out in the uh, lobby, I'd love to get a chance just to, uh, to meet you, shake your hand, or give you a high five, whichever one you prefer, and, uh, and just you know, get to know your name and, and uh, find out uh, a little bit more about you. And uh, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. Um, as uh, Pastor Hope said, I do hope that you'll take a chance if, if you, uh, if you heard, were here for the beginning uh, part of our experience that uh, you'd fill out the communication card. It's in the cup holder beside of you, especially if this is your first or second time uh, joining us here at Vertical. Uh, we just want a chance to uh, connect with you, um, find out how we can best serve you, but also, and maybe even more importantly, um, when you turn that card in, as she said, we make a donation to an organization called Charity Water. It's a, one of the ways that we're able to, um, to partner with a, a group of people who are doing something really awesome in the world by providing clean drinking water uh, for people in third world countries. And so uh, if you'll fill that out, check the box, first or second time guest, and then drop it off at the VIP area. That's the black uh, colored kind of banner thing out in, the, out in the lobby before you leave. That'd be awesome. And uh, make sure you stop by and, and say hello. Um, we're kicking off a new series today. Uh, it's called Overwhelmed. I'm incredibly uh, excited. I hope that you'll join us uh, this is a five-week series. I hope you'll join us for at least four of the five weeks. I know that uh, in the middle of the series, we've got Martin Luther King Day, which you might take that Sunday off and go uh, on a three-day weekend trip. Uh, that's cool. But five weeks, try to make sure you join us for at least four and then catch the fifth one uh, online when we post it. Uh, because I really do believe, um, maybe more so than anything that we've done up to this point, this has the potential and the, and the, and the power to, to change uh, the trajectory of your life. And so um, I, hope you'll, I hope you'll do that. Hey, let's, uh, let, me, let me start off with a story. Uh, I, like, I like telling stories, uh, especially stories that embarrass me. And so this is one of those. Um, I, was, uh, I went to school in Tennessee. I went to college in Tennessee, and I went to seminary in Tennessee, uh, Actually, I have a seminary degree. I'm a, I'm a master of divinity. Completely side-related. I had a professor in college. He did not have his PhD, so we could not call him doctor. He had a master's degree, and he uh, asked that we call him master. And so I think I'm going to do that. And so from here on, I'm going to be Master Josh uh, or, or Master Butcher. Uh, that'd be great. Anyway, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, don't do that at all. Uh, when I was in seminary, I had a group of friends. Uh, we used to get together and we would do uh, fun stuff. And in Tennessee, there's nothing more uh, fun or maybe even redneck than jumping off of cliffs into a river. Uh, it's like the ultimate uh, redneck day out, uh, is if you can find a river with a set of cliffs that you can jump off of, and, and go swimming in the river. And so we did that. There was a river uh, close by. It's called uh, Hiawassee, the Hiawassee River. And uh, there was a set of cliffs there. And we drove up one day and, and we've spent probably an hour or so just jumping off of these cliffs. And it's probably like 40, 50 feet up in the air. So, you know, you're screaming the entire way down and you splash and then you swim, climb back up and do it again. 
Well, we did that for a little while. And then uh, my friend Seth remembered that just up the river, there was a, a tire swing connected to a tree. Now, when you combine cliff jumping with tire swing into the river, that is a redneck vacation. That is awesome. That is like a whole weekend of fun right there. And so we drove up to the tire swing, and we did the tire swing. You know, you run out, swing, and whoosh, splash down. It was great. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, after a couple hours being out there, uh, probably two and a half, three hours, um, we decided it's time to go. We were hungry, wanted to get some lunch. Um, and so we, uh, me and a couple other guys, we said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to float down the river back to the cliffs, and get out there, and somebody just pick us up. We're just going to have a relaxing time on the river. And so we did that, and we're floating along, and everything's going fine. I mean, it's, it's relaxing, feet are kind of up, you know. I'm able, I'm not, I don't have a flotation device, but, but I'm kind of just making my way down the river. And everything's good for like the first um, five minutes or so. Uh, after, after the first five minutes, it was no longer relaxing uh, because uh, right about, you know, we had maybe made it halfway down, I started noticing that my head was not as far above water as my friend's heads. They seemed to just kind of be like almost just uh, laughing and cutting. They're, they're talking about what they're doing after they graduate, how their classes are going, summer school. They're just chatting away. And I noticed that the water has hit my chin and I've got my head up and I'm just trying to uh, make it down this river without drowning. And um, as, as we kept on going and I thought, dear Lord, surely those cliffs are coming up soon. And when we kind of passed this area where I could see down, I couldn't see the cliffs. And I had this thought, this is how it ends. <laughs> This is how it ends for me. I'm going to drown in a river in Tennessee. I haven't gotten married. I haven't had kids. I haven't graduated. I haven't done anything. And this is how it's going to end. So with the last gasp of air that I had, I look at my friends and I'm like, hey guys, can I get a little help here? I'm kind of struggling. And of course they're like, There's just, oh yeah. And they're just like easing over, swimming. And they grab me and they, they drag my redneck, non-swimming, you know, body over to the riverbank and kind of just throw me up like some dead fish. And they just keep going down the river. And I'm laying on the, I'm laying on the riverbank. And, and by the time I caught my breath, you know, I'm promising God I will never swim in the river again if you let me live. You know, and so I'm alive and I'm, I'm making good on my promise. God, I'm never going to do that. Again, and I thought about that story this week as, as we were kind of getting ready for overwhelm because I think life is kind of like that sometimes, you know, like you're, you're, you're having a good day. Everything is going fine. You know, one day you're just having fun and relaxing, you know, maybe everything's not going perfect, but you've got your head above water. Everything seems to be working out. You've got good friendships. Everything's going okay in your family. Financially, you're doing okay. Your marriage is good and strong. You've got a job. You don't have any insecurity. And then one day, bam, you look around and you're like, well, they're, they're doing fine, but the water is cresting right at my chin. And if anything else happens, I'm going under. I'm going to drown in this river. Or, or maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe you haven't had that experience, but maybe you have turned on the news. <laughs> if, 
If you ever need to be overwhelmed by life, just turn on the news, right? I mean, they're going to 24-7 tell you that the world is caving in and collapsing. And it could be real or it could be ridiculous, right? I mean, this week we saw real overwhelming news in, uh, in, in, in France. I mean, that's kind of, you know, we know what that's like. And, and, and reports are coming in that, you know, there's this big mastermind plan in the West. And, and that's real. And you can watch that and you can get overwhelmed. But they're also masters at the ridiculous because did you know you can log on to the CDC website and read about zombie attacks and how to survive a zombie attack? Like, that's, those are your tax dollars at work. <laughs> the CDC is releasing articles on how to survive a zombie attack. So from, from the real to the ridiculous, you can easily get overwhelmed just by opening your eyes and looking at what's in front of us. Now, admittedly, those examples are kind of extreme. You know, we don't have that every day, but, but it doesn't take something like that just to be overwhelmed because most of the overwhelming situations that we face in life are not out there somewhere. They're the situations that are right here in front of us. Maybe you're here today, you're unemployed, you got laid off, you got the slip and said, don't come back to work. And now, financially, you're not where you thought you would be and the reserves that you thought would last aren't lasting and you don't know what to do and you feel overwhelmed. Maybe, perhaps, you're pregnant. And maybe it's your first or second or third or some of y'all fourth or fifth. Who knows? You know, gosh. And you're not ready for what's coming next. And you're thinking, I don't know how to get ready. I don't know what's coming. And, or, or maybe you have a child and that child has a, has a consistent habit of waking up at three in the morning. And you have no idea how to get that little joker back to sleep. And you're trying everything that you can. And you're like, what do I do now? And you feel as a parent overwhelmed at the task at hand. Or maybe you have an older mom or dad or brother or sister that, that you grew up and they were taking care of you, but now the, the table is turned and there's a transition in life and now you're taking care of them. And it's overwhelming. Maybe you just experienced a loss in your life. Maybe it was a person. Maybe it was a marriage. Maybe you just went through divorce. Or maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you're, you, you go home at night and, and you just fight. And when you close your eyes, everything seems to be falling apart. And you're wondering, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm overwhelmed. Maybe when you go home today uh, on, your, on your kitchen table is not lunch, but a stack of bills. And you're looking at them and you're thinking, I don't know how we're going to make it. We don't have this coming in, but there it is. You don't know how. You're overwhelmed. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's something in your past that you just can't get over. Maybe it was something somebody did to you that just keeps coming back time and time again, and you can never really get over that. And you know what that is without anybody mentioning it. And you're overwhelmed. And you feel it like a weight on your shoulders. The reality is I could go on and on and on with examples because the life can easily become overwhelming. Life can easily crash in on your shoulders and become too much to bear. And when that happens, there are two people you do not want to meet. 
There are two people that you do not want around you. And the first person is the no big deal guy. You know, like you tell them what's going on in your life and they're like, oh man, it's not a big deal. That's nothing. That's, what are you, what are you complaining about that? That's no big deal. And you're like, dude, if this was happening to you, it would be a big deal. <laughs> but because it's happened to me, it's, the, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, if you ever go in uh, for minor surgery, you know, to you it's major, but to everybody else it's minor. And it's like, well, if it was happening to you, it'd be major, but because it's happened to me, it's minor. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's no big deal guy. Or the second person you don't want to meet is, is let me tell you my story. It's like, hey, here's what's going on in my life, man. I just need to, I just need to tell somebody. I just need to vent. Oh, well, let me tell you what happened to me. You know, and they proceed to just unload all of this stuff on you. And when they get finished, you're like, man, I'm going to go lay down on the interstate and just be a speed bump. You're so <laughs> depressed because it's like, oh, gosh, you know. And I don't want to be either one of those people today. I don't want, this series is not geared to be one of those uh, people. Here's what we want to do. We just want to speak the truth with understanding and, and, and practical application so that we can overcome being overwhelmed. That's our goal. We, wanna, we want to overcome the feeling of being overwhelmed. And so here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, you'll notice it on the back of your program. It'll also be on the screen behind me. This is the first thing you gotta, you got you to understand. Your overwhelming circumstances will always be overwhelming if you allow them to be. You see, change begins with a decision. Am I going to be overwhelmed or am I going to overcome? The change, changing your, your, your life begins with this decision. Am I going to be overwhelmed or am I going to choose to overcome. Now, choosing to overcome does not involve a five-step process. I don't have, you know, a sequential order of steps that you take. Here's how you overcome. Do steps one, two, three, and four, and there you go. And most likely, odds are when you leave this uh, theater today, what, what was overwhelming you when you came in here today, you'll face it when you leave. Odds are your circumstances won't change. Here's, here's, what, that, here's what that means. Everything in your life can change. Everything in your life can change when you shift your focus from your circumstances to Christ. That's what that means. That's what we're talking about today. Everything in your life can change when you shift your focus from your circumstances to Christ. Reality is what gets our attention ultimately will determine our direction. What we're focused on will set the course of our life. If we're focused on our circumstances, we can be sure that our life is going to be full of fear and anxiety and worry and depression. But if we turn our focus, if we turn our eyes off of our circumstances and place them on Christ, then we are in a position to experience the peace of God, the hope of God, the joy of God. Because whatever uh, has our attention sets our direction. If you want to change your life, everything changes when we shift our focus from our circumstances to Christ. Now, this may sound counterintuitive to you. This may sound like you don't know what you're talking about because you're a 35-year-old punk who's never really gone through anything in life. The reality is the best way to overcome feeling overwhelmed is to take our eyes off of what's overwhelming us and to place our eyes on who can overcome 
everything. Take our eyes off of the situation that's overwhelming us, the past that's overwhelming us, the reality that, that, that we lost our job and it's overwhelming us, the marriage that feels like it's falling apart and it's overwhelming us. Take our eyes off the situation and place them on the Savior. Now you say, is that, is that biblical? I don't even know about that. Well, check this out. Open your Bible up to the book of Daniel. Uh, the book of Daniel. If you don't know how to find Daniel uh, on the front page or so of your Bible, you probably have a little table of contents. It'll tell you the page number. Look for Daniel, page number. All right. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. Just look at the screen behind me and you can uh, follow along with the scriptures there. There are two things I think Daniel knew about God. Two things. The first one is this. I think Daniel knew that God is great. Now, if you're taking notes, don't go around to number two and put God is good because that's not the fill in the blank. This is not a, a pre-meal prayer that we're working on here today. God is good, but that's not the point number two. Anyway, okay, here we go. Daniel chapter one, uh, verses one through two. The whole series, pretty much, we're going to be in the book of Daniel. It's going to be awesome. Here we go. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Just to give you a little bit of background, historical reality, historical fact, uh, year 605 B.C., Babylon invades Israel. Babylon was the kind of nation state uh, in modern day Iraq around the city of Babylon. It becomes an empire, um, Babylonian empire. 605 BC, they invade Israel and just like any other war, it was bloody, it was brutal, lots of people died. And one of the ways that that Babylon, what, one of the things they would do when they conquered your city or they conquered your, your nation, they would come in and they would take uh, some of your most valuable prized possessions. Some of the things that you absolutely love, they would take these and they would take them back to Babylon and they would put them in their temples as a way to say, look how powerful we are. We just took your junk. And it wasn't junk, it was something you really wanted, but we took it, right? Spoils of war, that's what's going on. Verse 3, not only did they take stuff, but look what happens. Verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. And it tells us some names, and if you grew up in church, you might recognize some of these names. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, is the guy we're talking about, it's the book named after this guy, that's him, Daniel. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, and these might be the names you're more familiar with, except for Daniel. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Now, not only would Babylon take your stuff, but they would take captive some of the family members of the, of the more powerful, noble families. They would take them captive and they would carry them away to Babylon. Now, what they would do is they would kind of leave 
the, the, the poorer, lower social class people in the area, you know, to work the fields, to make sure that uh, the wild animals didn't take over. They would leave them there, but then they would gather up the, the wealthy and the noble families, and they would probably kill a bunch of them. You know what I'm saying? They would kill a bunch of them and then take the ones they didn't kill back to Babylon. So odds are Daniel watched his family members get slaughtered in front of him. He watched them die, and then, after watching his loved ones die, he's marched across two deserts back to Babylon. And when he arrives at Babylon, many scholars say that that Daniel and his friends were made eunuchs. If you don't know what a eunuch is, Google it, but do not click the images because you may see something you don't want to see. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. Don't click on the images. It's disturbing. Anyway, um, can we all agree that after you have watched your family get slaughtered, after you have been uh, taken captive and marched across two deserts to a foreign city, after you have been made a eunuch, can we all agree that Daniel was in an overwhelming situation? You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm, what, what I'm not saying is, is you know, kind of pause here. I'm not saying, look at what Daniel went through. That's, that your situation is nothing compared to that, you big weenie. That's not what I'm saying, okay? What I'm saying, what, what, what I want us to see is, is if Daniel, if Daniel can make it through, then let's look and see how he made it through. Because how he made it through is how we can make it through. Let's look at his example, on top of all of that, you know, the, the NIV, that what we're reading, that, that, that word, the king's service, that's, that's not like some, he wasn't employed. That's a PC of way of saying that Daniel was made a slave. So he's, he watches his family members get killed. He's marched across two deserts. He's made into a eunuch, and he's put into slavery. Overwhelming, right? Overwhelming. But look what happens, verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, I don't know about you, but I like food. I like food. I love food. Any kind of food. I have never met a food that I wasn't at least willing to try. Okay? I love food. And I can't understand Daniel in this part, because here's how I read it, okay? Daniel, you were living in, you were living in you know, Israel. Babylon comes, crushes your, your, your city, crushes your country. They take you captive. They kill some family members. They drag you across the desert back to Babylon. They had some surgery on you, right? You're, put, you're, 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 you're made into a slave. All of this time, you remain silent. (laughs) And now, when the king wants to feed you some steak and wine, this is when you protest. (laughs) you like, you didn't think about protesting back in Israel? You didn't think about protesting when they were killing your family? When they were dragging you across the desert? You didn't think about protesting then? This is the line? Really? They want to give you some steak, man. Eat the steak. Eat the food. you got to be hungry. This is how I read it, okay? Maybe you don't read it that way. 
But when we dig a little bit deeper, we see that there's all kinds of things going on here. Look at this. You see, Babylon was, was a polytheistic culture, which meant they had many gods. They didn't just serve one god. And it was common in that culture to, to take uh, food and wine and place it before the gods in the temples, to place it before there as an act of worship. And of course, their gods, you know, Baal and Marmaduke and whoever else they were worshiping, they didn't eat much. And so they would take the food uh, from the gods and then serve it to the people in the king's house. And so, and so the food that Daniel is presented has already been laid before the gods of Babylon. And when you make the decision to eat the king's food and to drink the king's wine, you are publicly declaring, I am a worshiper of the gods of Babylon because I'm partaking in their food and their wine. And that's the line that Daniel would not cross. In other words, Daniel is saying, I will not acknowledge another God. You can invade my country. You can kill my cousins. You can kill my family members. You can march me all the way out here to a different world. You can, you can change my name. You can change my, my, my language. You can change my culture. You can make me a slave, but I will not acknowledge another God. Why, Daniel? Because my God is great. Because my God is great, and my God is greater than the circumstances that I'm going through right now. I know I'm in an overwhelming situation, but my eyes are not on the situation, but my eyes are on the God whom I serve, because my God is great. When I was in middle school, I was kind of a punk kid. You know what I mean? Like, like I was kind of scrawny. I probably weighed like a whole whopping 120 pounds or something. And in seventh grade, I was skinny. And, and, uh, and so uh, because of that, I had a tendency to get picked on my first few months of school. I was in three fights in the first four months of school. Um, and, and the first one uh, was, was real interesting. It was on the bus. Um, I was on the bus. I was on the way home from school. And, uh, and Chad was on the bus with me. Chad, Chad was a super freshman. I don't know if you know what a super freshman is. A super freshman's like, like, like Chad was like, you know, 24 years old, had a mustache and was in prison in grade school. You know, he's sitting in front of me and I'm like a whole whopping 120 pounds soaking wet, sitting, sit in my seat, minding my own business. And, and Chad turns around, he looks at me and he brings his finger back like this and just goes, flips me right in the forehead. Now, I might have been scrawny, but I had a temper. And, 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 and I could easily get set off, you know? Uh, and, and so he flicked, like, right there. I can still remember. It's like I can almost still feel it. I, I've got issues. I, I've got anger to overcome. But um, that's the next series, How to Overcome Feeling Angry. Um, he flicks me right in the forehead, and it just set me off. He gets up and is like walking to the front of the bus, and I jump up like I'm going to do something about it, and I grab him on the shoulder, and I swung, and I punched him in the face because I missed his throat. <laughs> I wanted to punch him right there just so he couldn't breathe anymore, uh, but I caught him like right there, and he moved a little bit, you know, <laughs> kind of startled him a little bit, and he turns around, and he grabs me, and he flings me into the seat, and he's standing over top of me, about ready to just, just pound my face into the green leather of that bus seat. 
and I could see it coming. I'm looking, somebody, somebody, dear God, somebody's got to help me. And I look at my friend who was sitting behind me, and he's like, sorry. <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, I'm like kind of wincing, ready to just take it because, you know, I was going to get thumped. But um, right at the moment, as Chad is like swinging back, just ready to pounce on me, a Savior arrived. And his name was Bogey. You know already, you take this right here, okay? I grew up in West Virginia, and this guy's name's Bogey. You know he's bad news. You know this guy. This guy was a 270-pound defensive lineman senior on the football team. I'm talking muddy caterpillar boot-wearing redneck who also happened to be my friend. (laughs) Chad's like standing over top of me ready to just, you know, knock my lights out, and Bogey grabs him by the neck and just like with one hand, just like flings him to the other side of the bus. And it's like something you see on like a movie, you know, like a cartoon. He hits the side of the bus and just melts down into the seat. It was awesome because I had a front row view. You know, I'm like looking like that, and I just see him go quack and then just melt down. Did you know every time I got on the bus after that, I walked down that thing like I owned the place? Ain't nobody going to mess with me bogeys on the bus, right? Here, here, here's what I mean. I knew that there was someone on the bus who was greater than anything I would face on the bus. You know what I'm saying? See, some of us are walking through life focusing on all the other people on the bus, and we forget that there's somebody on the bus who is greater than anything or anyone else that we can face on the bus. And oh, by the way, he's also our friend. You know what I'm saying? Like we got somebody on the bus with us. We don't have to ride the bus alone. We don't have to be fearful of the other people on the bus. And we definitely don't have to give them our attention because what gets our attention will ultimately determine our direction. We got somebody riding on the bus with us. Look at, look at the person beside of you and say, somebody's riding with me. And you got somebody riding with you. Somebody's on the bus with you. And I'm not saying we need to walk around acting arrogant and, 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 and full of ourselves. But what I am saying is we don't need to forget that we're not riding alone. We got a friend on the bus and he is greater than anything or anyone else that we're going to come in contact with. Number two, this is the second thing I think Daniel knew. First one is God is good. The second one is God is able. Look at what happens, verse nine. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. You know what I think the two most important words kind of in this whole story are? The first two words of this verse, now God. You see, some of us, when we get into an overwhelming situation, we have the temptation to believe that God is a back then God. Like, like I read the Bible stories. I listened to grandma talk about church back in the day, how God used to do stuff back then, but I don't see God doing anything right now. He's either lost touch with, with life or he just doesn't like to, to show off anymore. But no matter what our circumstances are, no matter, matter how we're feeling, no matter if we can see him or not, we have to understand that right now, God is working on our behalf. Now, God. You see, if, if we're not thinking that God is back then, then sometimes we also think that God is an only when God. Like God will move for us only when we get the formula right. 
And you've got to jump through all of the, 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 the religious hoops and you've got to do all the, the right steps and you've got to say all the right prayers and read all the right Bible verses and you've got to make God pleased so that only when you have checked all of the, the things on the list, God will move or God will, 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 will do something for you. But that's not how God works at all. God's not, God's not like stuck in the past and he's not waiting on us to get the formula right. Romans says that for those who love him, that he is working right now for our good. For our good. But Pastor Josh, I can't see that. I know. It's really hard, right? We can't see it. But just because we can't see it doesn't mean that we can't believe that God is greater than our circumstances and he's able to see us through. Let's look how the story ends. Verse 10. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Look, anytime we decide that we're going to trust that God is greater than our circumstances and he is able to see us through, the world will always turn up the pressure. They will always crank up the pressure a little bit to see if we'll cave. Daniel doesn't cave. Verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal. Look at that. He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there till the first year of King Cyrus. You know, as we read this story, you know what God didn't do? There's something God didn't do throughout the entire story. As far as we know, as far as what is recorded in the book of Daniel, you know what God didn't do for Daniel? God never told him ahead of time, I got all this taken care of. I got all this. Daniel never heard God say, hey, Daniel, by the way, uh, your country is going to get sacked. You're going to be taken into a foreign country. But when you get there, don't eat the food or drink the wine because I got you covered. You know what Daniel knew? The God I serve is great. And the God I serve is able to see me through any situation and any circumstance that I find myself in. You know what God didn't deliver Daniel from his circumstances? Daniel's situation didn't just magically change overnight. He didn't deliver him from his circumstances, but he did deliver Daniel through 
his circumstances because God's just that awesome. Because he's just that powerful. And the same God that did it for Daniel can do it for you. That's what I want us to see today, that God isn't threatened by the size of our situation, that he is a water-walking, grave-robbing, death-defying God who is greater than any circumstance that you can go through, and he is able to see you through anything. What I hope that we do today is we shift our focus from our circumstances to Christ, from our situation to to our Savior, because ultimately, what gets our attention will determine our direction. I've got one more story for you. I have three kids, Lex, Cole, and Ava. Right now, they're eight, almost six, and going on 27. Um, Not really, she's going on two. Um, Back a few years ago, it was like three or four years ago, Lex was really into uh, Thomas. Anybody got kids who've been into Thomas? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Thomas the trains everywhere. Like now they've been replaced with Legos. Legos are everywhere in my house now, but but then it was Thomas. I prefer Thomas because I can see Thomas and I don't step on Thomas. Thomas was everywhere. We had Thomas the train, we had James, we had Percy, we had all the other people. It's just the whole Thomas family lived in my house. We had train tracks and we had bags of just track and track and some track glowed in the dark and some didn't and some made a mountain and some, it was just crazy. And it all was in this huge box, like a big tub, you know what I mean? And the thing was heavy. And one day, you know, I'm working, I'm doing something and Lex comes in and, and he's like four or five at the time and he's like, hey dad, you, I want to play with Thomas. Can you get my Thomas the trains out? Can you, can you get the box out? And I'm like, I know, uh, later, I kind of brush him off, you know. You know how parents do, just kind of like, leave me alone, man. Just go find something else to play with, not right now. Look, y'all are looking at me like you're judging me. You've done it too. We're all guilty. We all can receive forgiveness. We've all brushed our kids off, okay? Not doing major damage. But we are providing somebody a profession in the future. Um, anyway. I brush him off. I'm like, dude, leave me alone. I got to get this done. I'll take care of that later. And so my son, I did not know he was this, uh, this big of a, a master of manipulation. He looks at me and he says, oh, are you strong enough to move the box? <laughs> enough said. Done. Stop what I'm doing. Because I got to prove to my little boy that I'm strong enough to move this box. I'm going to move this box. I hope that, I I hope that, that that, that we can understand God in the same terms. Like, not not, not that we have to appeal to God's pride, like like my son did for me. Are you strong enough to move that box? And now the dad's pride's like, you better believe I'm strong enough. It's not what we got to do. But I want you to understand, God is able He is strong enough. Whatever you're going through, whatever that is in your life, God is great. And He is strong enough to take care of it. And He is able to see you through whatever it is that you're going through. What is that thing? When I say that, it's the thing that pops up into your head. And that is what's overwhelming you. 
Did you know if that is too big for you to move, it's just the right size for God? Would you, would you close your eyes with me as we pray? I, I'm just going to ask you to take whatever that is and just surrender it to God. Just surrender it to God, whatever that may be. Whatever's overwhelming you right now, would you just take it and give it to God? Lord, we, we take that, <laughs> that thing, that, that circumstance, that issue, that, that situation. It might be at work. It might be at our home. It might be our kids. It might be the, the, the future kid that's coming. It might be, it might be a, a layoff slip. It might be schoolwork. It might be a teacher. It might be an unknown certainty of the uncertainty of the future. It might be fear. It might be anxiety. It might be stress. Whatever that is, God, that keeps us up at night, overwhelming us, creating inside of us a, a, a worry and a depression. God, this morning, are you strong enough to move that? Are you able to see us through that? God, would you help us turn our eyes off of our situation? And as Scripture says, to look in the face of Christ, to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Because what gets our attention will ultimately determine our direction. You know, today, everybody's got their eyes closed and nobody's looking around. Maybe, maybe you're in the room today and, and you can't say that I'm putting my eyes on my Savior because you haven't, you haven't taken that step yet. You haven't taken that step of faith that says, I trust in God. I, I trust in Jesus with my life for salvation. I've trusted in Jesus to forgive me and to make me new and to, to make me a, bring me into his family. I haven't trusted Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity today. There's not a formula. We're not that kind of church, but I just want to ask you, have you trusted Jesus with your life? Have you made that decision? God, I give you my life. I trust you, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. I admit that I am separated from you because of my sin. And I confess and declare that I ask you for forgiveness and new life. And I declare my allegiance to you, Jesus. If that's you today, would you just pray that? You can pray it out loud. You can pray it under your breath. Would you just, just give him everything, all of you? you? Say, well, I did that when I was a kid and it didn't really stick. Well, try it again. <laughs> but this time, keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up to church. Keep showing up to to, to, to small group activities. Keep showing up in the morning with your, with your Bible. Maybe you read one line and that's all you got. Keep showing up. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. 
You can't get married, say I do, and then never go, never go home with her. The relationship will dissolve into nothing. You have to go home with her. <laughs> that's what, that, for some of you, that's the step you need to take because you did this as a child and it didn't really take. I'm asking you to go home with him today. To show up tomorrow in the relationship. Here I am, God. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the words are I'm supposed to say, but I'm showing up anyway. And Lord, teach us how to overcome being overwhelmed. As we give all of that to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.